Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Just in! Update on our Minnesota live show! <laughs> oh, yes! The show will go on, people. Mm-hmm. We are so excited to see you on Friday, August 12th, 2022, in St. Paul. Indeed, and this will be a show unlike any other you've seen before. And due to the adorable parasite growing inside of our fair Kenyan, she is on bed rest and instructed not to travel. But fear not! Lucy and I have concocted an alternative variety show that will put Vaudeville back on the map with special appearances by some of our favorite friends. And purse burgers. Mm-hmm. Tickets are still available, but they are going fast. So get yours immediately at wineandcrimepodcast.com. And now onto the show. You are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. And send each (laughs) other Furby art, including the one I just sent you, the Furb with the pearl earring. (laughs) She is exquisite. She is exquisite. Same expression (laughs) on her face. Same love depth her. in the eyes. Her oh, little my. beak. I love her. We have the same chin. <laughs> I just wanted to be noted that earlier Amanda was looking up Furby backpacks to I buy. I still am. That's and I, I heard her say, mm, that one's a little too muted for my taste. <laughs> It was a black and white Furby. It wasn't colorful. And then Kenyon was like, you already have enough. She's like, you already have a crazy backpack for your scooter. Why do you need another one? And I was like, well, that one's too big. That's like my grocery shopping on the scooter backpack. I need a smaller one. She needs a backpack for the backpack. Yes. Right. My goat backpack needs a tiny Furby backpack. Right. Uh-huh. All your backpacks really are like sentient. Is, the one I really want is... $200, which I don't no. know if I can justify. No. No. You can't. <laughs> Do they you make can't. goth Furbies to go oh, with yeah. your goat backpack? I mean, yeah, but I think if I'm going to go down Furby lane, I want to go, you know. Right. Yeah. 200 bucks, man. Just send it to Bill. Your birthday is going to be here before you know it. Mm. You can wait. I could just submit a reimbursement receipt directly no. to no. him for my, to, to Bill. Oh, for oh my to, okay. Bill. <laughs> yeah, that's just like a no. We talked about it on the show. It's a write-off. Send yeah, it to the write-off, write-off people. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, who are we and what the fuck are we doing? Oh, God. I'm Kenyon, or am I? Oh. oh, I'm Lucy, and I will ask the questions. I'm Amanda, and oh my God, there's a Furby banana cowgirl sticker. <laughs> like, could you need to slow down? There be. Oh my God, it's perfect. The, there are the the depths, the deepest corners of the internet are fucking. Add to cart. Wild. <laughs> Add oh my God. To Moving cart. on while Amanda shops for Furbies. Oh, Paraphernalia. Paraphernalia. <laughs> Furbnalia. 
We have a very special fan pick this week brought to you by Esther Swanson for their BFF, Gretty Beretti. Wow. For her birthday. <laughs> Sweaty Gretty Beretti. Sweaty And I Betty wonder Beretti. if Gretty Beretti is an alias. Probably. Oh, that would make some sense. <laughs> it really would. I just took that. At, uh, you, when you tell me your pronouns, I just go with it. Yeah, you that's know? your I name, took, and I have no further questions. No, well, no further questions. <laughs> maybe their real name is Kristen Gretty Beretti, KGB. Oh, 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 okay, wait. Now things are really starting to come together. Really? I'm an agent, y'all. I'm an Mm -hmm. agent. You're a secret agent, Mund. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Esther has selected the topic of KGB crimes. It's all making sense now. (laughs) And we've covered some big ones. Like I know Mm -hmm. I covered the... Really crazy poisoning case of mm-hmm. the guy in oh, yeah. the mm-hmm. UK. Now I can't remember like literally anything. All I remember is like having to figure out what the scientific units of like a micro yeah. meter That's, was or something. I, right. I forgot this. about that struggle. That was really <laughs> the, funny. The units. Mm-hmm. The, those units. The, what, the units that what like went down the drain. Mm. Yeah. Wasn't there like a like drain into, involved? Like a hotel like the room? London sewer system yeah yeah oh bad shit bad 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 shit when you're trying to poison one person but you're doing it in a world mega city (laughs) a metropolis yeah so we've covered some and i encourage you to go back and listen to those because the kgb is fucking wild y'all yeah it's nuts (laughs) we'll get to it but there's definitely more to cover so First, Amanda, what is our wine crime pairing for KGB crimes? Well, you know what? We're not drinking wine today because Mm. I actually, I did Google KGB wine, no results. (laughs) I looked into some Russian wines, but I was like, I don't really know if I want to spend money. Definitely don't want to support Russia right now. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I've got vodka in my house. It's not Russian what goes better with KGB crimes than a vodka soda? So and, some, and some Swedish vodka. And some Svedka. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, a... it's Tito's. It's Tito's. But oh, okay. I've got a Tito's and Crayon. Yeah. I'm just drinking Tito's and soda with a little lemon. I'm Tito's drinking iced American. tap water, which is the pregnant woman's vodka. It's good for you, honey. Yeah. Get some well, water. Yeah. Nothing too crazy. Just mm-hmm. has sipping and a little vad. A little vad sword, Googling mm-hmm. Furby backpacks and getting ready for this incredible ride we're about to go on. <laughs> All right. Living the, the dream. Sure. I also did so many errands and cleaning today. I'm I'm feeling really good. Are you amped up? I'm kind of amped up. <laughs> Jealous. Yeah. Ugh. I've had the same errands on my to-do list for like two full weeks. Yeah. I mean, oh, I'm leaving honey. to go out of town tomorrow, so I've also had the same errands on my to-do mm. list for two full weeks, and today is the last day I could do that. Mm-hmm. That ADHD, I need a deadline. I you need do. some urgency. Yep. Mm-hmm. Girl got it done. I am I sweat through my jeans, but I got it done. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. Honey. Okay. Yeah. Well, have you changed? Oh, no. I didn't have time. <laughs> I sweat through my jeans mostly going on my scooter on like a 10-mile round trip 
to the pet store to get fresh bedding for my bunny cages <laughs> on my scooter and it's like 95 degrees out. You know that you also like, own a car. So I, for errands involving <laughs> large I items, I do. I do. Very hot to weather. Share. However, my car is not super safely drivable right now because <laughs> the bump came off. Oh my god. All right. This do? is a separate conversation. No <laughs> fault of my own except uh-huh. for a pole that I backed into in a parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I'm getting that separate, fixed. Separate. Okay. Getting that fixed. <laughs> and uh, in the meantime, I'm not driving her without a bump. And which I is on get the back seat. For my driving. Okay. Well, yeah, well, but she's this was not my driving first, it. Yeah. This was my first Fendi Bendy in like 10 years. And it was only with a pole. <laughs> <laughs> the last time you had a Fendi Bendy was with a pole in Toronto. Oh, yeah. And we that, blamed it on we Cam. We blamed it on Cam. Yeah, was that, that wasn't the me. last time. That was Cam. Yeah. Well, so, I recall some issues in Cape Town as well. <laughs> that That's not the same. Driving on the wrong side of the road. Okay. <laughs> moving. Take it off a couple side backwards. views. It's fine. I didn't even lose a single mirror. It was, it was You didn't. It was a rental. Whatever. I don't think anyone else lost a mirror either. They just kissed. They kissed. Show me the photographic proof and then I will secede. I was too traumatized to take a picture. Well, then I guess it's just your version of events against mine. Okay. Anyway, moving on. We'll have to learn some (laughs) evasive driving techniques in this episode. Guess so. (laughs) Lucy, what is our background and maybe psych for... KGB crimes. Oh, was that your whole pairing? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. What else right. do you want to know about vodka? You, yeah, I got <laughs> nothing else to say. I, I know, didn't you got prepare. a lime. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't prepare facts. I just started talking about random shit. I don't know. It can be made from potatoes, but also not made from potatoes. There you I go. Don't know. Made from something else. It'll fuck you up. Something to rub on. It's clear. Something to rub on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't really have any psych other than this whole thing is fucking psychotic. So, all right. KGB, which stands for Komitet Gosudarsvenoi Bezopasnosti. Yep. Okay. Rolls Nailed off it. the tongue. Rolls off the tongue, <laughs> which is English for the Committee for State Security is the Foreign Intelligence and Dome- well was the Foreign Intelligence and Domestic Security Agency of the Soviet Union. During the Soviet era, the KGB's responsibilities also included the protection of the country's political leadership, which was their primary motivation, the supervision of border troops and the general surprise of the population. Hmm. Surprised they were involved with the border troops, but okay. Yeah. Like a big chunk of it was protecting the border. Huh. All right. Which I didn't know either. So prior to the KGB, there was the NKVD, which is another acronym for an insane Russian phrase that I shan't attempt. (laughs) But it translates to the People's Commissariat for Internal Affairs. Okay. So this was initially, or essentially the Interior Ministry of the Soviet Union. It was established in 1917. And I'm just going to say prior to the NKVD... Maybe a little bit after, but definitely before, there were a bunch of other, like, acronym agencies. Mm-hmm. So there were just two, there were, like, probably a half a dozen from the 18th and 19th centuries. Okay. Like, there were just a lot of acronym 
organizations, which I didn't go into. And then the revolution happened, and then there's like a million little committees, and then they have to all kind of get wrangled under one umbrella. Mm-hmm. Yes. The NKVD established in 1917. Initially, it was supposed to just be like the regular police plus oversight of the country's prison and labor camps, you know, mm-hmm. casually. Yeah. In 1934, Chill. the NK <laughs> the NKVD absorbed the OGPU, which was the country's secret police organization. So those two organizations combined basically gave it a monopoly over law enforcement activities. That lasted until the end of World War II. I didn't so, realize how it was considered just like general law enforcement. I thought it was always like secret spies. It, oh. encom- it encompassed all of that. Mm-hmm. So this is from Wikipedia. Quote, the NKVD undertook mass extrajudicial executions of citizens and conceived, populated, and administered the gulag system of forced labor camps. Gulag, not to be confused with goulash. <laughs> Two Thank very you different for clearing things. that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very different from Gestapo and Gaspacho. Gaspacho. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fucking exactly. Baklava, balaclava. You guys, she's an elected fucking yeah, official. Yeah, she's got re-nominated for her party. I truly can't. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand if you are like a not insane QAnon Republican right now. Like, w- honey, what are you doing? <laughs> not Your head is in the sand. Like, look in, look in the mirror. Look at these people. These are people in your party. And that doesn't uh. fucking embarrass you. You don't see that you are helping them. I don't yeah. get it. I know we don't have anyone still like that listening to this show anymore. We've weeded them all out. But I'm just going to elect. Do. <laughs> I'm going to elect a Furby and they would do a better job. They would, yeah, they wouldn't strip human rights away. And a no. Furby is neutral good. I mean, <laughs> define, you're right. Chaotic. Yes. Yes, but they are influenced by their environment. So depending on who raises them is what they repeat and say out loud. (laughs) I'm over it. Lucy, get back to the gulags. It could get... Their agents... (laughs) Could get messy. (laughs) The NKVD agents were responsible for the repression of the wealthier peasantry. They Mm. oversaw the protection of Soviet borders and espionage, which included political assassinations and enforced Soviet policy in communist movements and puppet governments in other countries, most notably the repression and massacres in Poland to crush opposition and establish political control prior to World War One. Wow. Right? I or at was least not, World War Two. I wasn't laughing at the KGB. I was prior to and post-World War II. Um, well, I'm talking about the NKVD. Okay, so up through the end of World War II. Yes, yes, you're right. Sorry, I was thinking of, yes. The the NKVD established in 1917, so that carried through, what, the end of World War I? I'm sorry, I don't know how my date's on World War I, right? World War I uh, started in 1914 and ended in 1918. Okay, so end of World War I, all of World War II, a lot of political control, lots of secret shit, lots of... Lots of uh, meddling across their own borders Mm -hmm. to affect the outcomes of these wars. So the Gulag, or Gulag as in capital G-U-L-A-G, because it is also an acronym, which I will not attempt to pronounce. 
Oh, interesting. Meaning Was- cold soup. Sure. <laughs> Gestapo, Gazpacho. Was the government agency in charge of the Soviet network of forced labor camps set up by Vladimir Lenin, reaching its peak during Joseph Stalin's rule from the 1930s to the early 1950s? So we in English-speaking, English-language world might also use the word gulag as just a casual noun in reference to all of the forced labor camps that existed in the Soviet Union, including the camps that existed in post-Lenin era. Mm-hmm. So we could call it the gulag. We can call it gulag proper. It's like Kleenex. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah. Gulag, Kleenex, Gestapo, Gazpacho, all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm following. The goulash was a major means <laughs> of political repression in the Soviet Union. The emergent consensus among scholars is that of the 14 million prisoners who passed through the gulag camps and the four, the 4 million prisoners who passed through the gulag colonies from 1930 to 1953, roughly 1.5 to 1.7 million prisoners perished either there or they died soon after their release, which was certainly like because of their imprisonment. Jeez. Oh, my God. And no, I don't know what the difference is between a gulag camp and a gulag colony. I'm sorry. I just One sounds maybe bigger than another. Maybe. Yeah. So in total, about 18 million people passed through the gulag in general. And between one and a half to 1.7 million people died because of it. But also because it's so secretive, we really, a lot of people put that number as much higher. Right, it's just mm. estimates. And also, yeah. like, maybe you survived, but, like, your health and psychology were, like, irrevocably fucked after mm-hmm. being there. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So gulags, along with the secret police, played a huge role in Stalin's great purge from 1936 to 1938, which is it's my understanding that he was basically, quote-unquote, purging the Bolsheviks from the Union. mm any political rival, also yeah. Jews. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Any, uh, anyone. On, on paper, it related to the Bolsheviks. Go, we'll get to all those people. Okay. But the Great Purge specifically, what from what I read, was about the Bolsheviks. So it was like getting rid of the old order, making room for the new authoritarian fascism order mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Stalin died in 1953, and following the 1954 execution of a guy named... Lavrenti Beria, who was the longest lived and most influential of Stalin's secret police chiefs. So after that, after he was executed, the KGB was founded under Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev to serve as, quote, the sword and shield of the Communist Party. Wow. I also have a photo of Beria on the drive. It's really fucking creepy because it's a it's a photo of him with a little girl in his lap who is Stalin's daughter, and Stalin is at, sitting at a table, like, in the background. Mm-hmm. Look at his gross little round glasses. You can't even see his Ooh. eyes. So the little girl looks like she's having a great time. The little girl like, looks like pumped. she's being held against her will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has, like, a weird beaded collar shirt. I don't know what he's wearing, but I love the rattan chairs. Stalin has a pipe in his mouth. There's a guy with headphones on. They're looking at like rolled up photographs. Like they're clearly looking over spy like dossiers. Yeah. 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 It's a really creepy fucking photo. I love it. So KGB founded in 1954. 
This new security service was designed to be tightly controlled by senior Communist Party officials. Here's a quote from my lover, Encyclopedia Britannica. Quote, it was divided into approximately 20 directorates, the most important of which were those responsible for foreign intelligence, domestic counterintelligence, technical intelligence, protection of the political leadership, and the security of the country's frontiers. So those are the border agents that we were talking mm-hmm. about. In the late 1960s, an additional directorate was created to conduct surveillance on suspended dissidents in the churches and among the intelligentsia. Mm-hmm. So, like, the the academic class, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, yeah. Even doctors, like, at, yeah. Yeah. Anyone they deem to be a threat for whatever right. reason. Mm-hmm. For the next 20 years, the KGB became increasingly zealous in its pursuit of enemies, harassing, arresting, and sometimes exiling human rights activists, Christians and Jewish activists, and intellectuals judged to be disloyal to the regime. Writers, poets, journalists. So they were fine with keeping the smart people who were, like, who they could prove were in line with the regime. Or who, Mm -hmm. like, kept their heads down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the KGB gradually expanded its foreign intelligence operations to become the world's largest foreign intelligence service. As the Cold War with the U.S. intensified, the KGB came to be viewed as a counterpart of the U.S. uh, Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA. However, unlike the CIA, the KGB conducted most of its activities domestically on Soviet soil and against Soviet citizens. Mm. So, like, in some ways, it's the same as the CIA, but they weaponized all their a lot of their power against their own citizens, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which so far the CIA hasn't done. And too, they too they bad, basically had like more control, like more direct control over their sphere of influence. So it became mm-hmm. like domestic. Like Poland was domestic. Mm-hmm. They so also the had the whole Union. Soviet bloc. They had like Ukraine right. and right. what is it like Lat- Latvia or I don't remember the other. I don't, they had ones. a lot of the stands. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of the yeah the blocks. Yeah, the KGB's many agents sometimes posed as businessmen and journalists, though many of them used more conventional uh, used the more conventional diplomatic cover because they could prove sort of that they were diplomats right yeah you go you work for the embassy and it's an excuse to like get a visa and get your feet on the ground yeah Yeah. yep absolutely so its successes included the infiltration of every major western intelligence operation and the placement of agents of influence in almost every major capital on the planet Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah The KGB was also able to procure scientific and technical information for the Soviet military, and it repeatedly obtained advanced technology necessary for the development of Soviet submarines, airplanes, and rockets. I was going to say, the space race, Undoubtedly, the space race shit, that creepy fucking thing with all the Sputnik, with all the spikes sticking out. I love it. it. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the technology was stolen, and some of it they developed themselves. Mm-hmm. It's well, a mi- they, it was a mishmash. They mm-hmm. definitely developed the design because it was <laughs> atrocious. It was a goulash. Yeah, it was <laughs> really <laughs> Apple disturbing. Did not no, have any part no. of it. There no. were no at least not Steve aesthetic Jobs. considerations. Mm. 
<laughs> it was I the charging the port bit. underneath the mouse. Oh, ah, God. Gross. I can't with that. Wait, what? I'm on your just... magic mouse? On your How you wireless can't, mouse? You can't use your mouse while, while it's charging. charging. Yep. That's why Great I'm currently design. using my wired mouse. Yeah. So fucking stupid. Jesus really Christ. fucking stupid. All right. Hate it. <laughs> Along with the GRU, which was the Chief Intelligence Directorate of the General Staff. And so the GRU was primarily responsible for purely military operations. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like they were, I feel like the GRU was part of the secret police also. But Sounds I familiar, but I don't know. There are so many fucking acronyms. I tried to spare you guys. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. The KGB enjoyed tremendous access to the secrets of both its adversaries and its allies. So they were all over the place. They had, like, no allegiance to oh, their no. allies in Gotta terms of, like, not on everyone, just and in case. Absolutely we'll everyone. We'll get to it in my case, but espionage was so rampant yeah. and so common. They were looking yeah. out for number one. Yeah. Well, yeah, you gotta, you know, better and to they be were feared than loved. paying good money. Mm-hmm. for intelligence. So this next little bit is kind of how the KGB played into the Cold War. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously the KGB yeah. played into the Cold right. War. But. So Soviet spy services under any acronym, whether it was pre-KGB or whatever, struggled to get a foothold in the United States in the early post-war period. This was due to the investigations spurred by the so-called Red Scare of the mm-hmm. late 1940s and 50s, during which time U.S. officials and law enforcement leaders became particularly concerned about communist infiltration into American affairs, both in the U.S. and abroad. Mm-hmm. So the Red Scare led the co- led to the congressional hearings spearheaded by Senator Joseph McCarthy. Ever heard of him? Fucking Wisconsin. Also, mm-hmm. we will get to it in my case. Amazing. And wasn't the Red Scare at least stateside, like, super classist and anti-Semitic, too? Yes. Oh, yeah. And yeah. also most of the... And just homophobic. Most mm-hmm. of it was just total bullshit. Right. I mean, we just recorded old Hollywood crimes right. and I didn't Tons. get to it, but there was right. a Hollywood blacklist. Yep. We will get unquote. to it. Okay, we great. We will get to it now. Great, 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 great. Okay. So Joseph McCarthy, who attempted to identify and thwart communist influence in American society. So basically this red scare, all these hearings are are credited, that's kind of a strong word, with bringing down much of the U.S. branch of the Communist Party, which in turn hampered conceivably KGB recruitment in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I'm not here to judge Maybe. whether it did more harm than good, but it was it bad. Did. It was bad. It did way more harm than good. Okay. <laughs> America's first CIA director, Alan Dulles, once said of the KGB, quote, It is more than a secret police organization, more than an intelligence and counterintelligence organization. It is an instrument for subversion, manipulation, and violence for secret intervention in the affairs of other countries. It's a lifestyle. (laughs) It's a whole, it's a whole mood. It's a whole mood. (laughs) Is that what Dulles Airport is named after? The first CIA director? Wow. Didn't know that. Okay. There's like a... Yeah, there are so basically, if anything in this country is named after like a white man, mm-hmm. it's, it's bad. Good. Yeah, it's real bad. <laughs> yeah, Dulles Airport's not cute. 
fucking Limburg Terminal. We now just call it Terminal 1 and Terminal 2 here in Minnesota. We do not honor that man anymore. Oh, my God. The big one and the little one. <laughs> okay. So at its peak, the KGB was the largest secret police and foreign intelligence organization in the world as I said, researchers with access to Communist Party archives put the number of KGB personnel at more than 480,000 people. Holy yeah. fucking shit. And, I fucking believe it. And that includes 200,000 soldiers at the, in the border guards. Okay. So, I mean, all, not, not quite almost half, but like two-thirds for sure, math, 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 were involved in protecting the border. Mm-hmm. So the border right. was a, was actually a big, big issue. Still, just a lot of people to be secret police domestically, or well, they spies weren't all interna- secret international. They weren't all those people. A well, lot of maybe, them were. But. Maybe the border stuff because Russia, you know, loves to annex surrounding buddies. <laughs> mm-hmm. That. Can uh, that I can understand? I like not support, but I can understand why they would invest so many resources yeah. in patrolling and controlling. Well, keeping the people out and keeping right. people in. They're right. keeping they're keeping that block under control. Yeah, exactly for sure. And that there would already be troops staged there in the event mm-hmm. that someone decided, oh, let's infiltrate this country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the remaining, what, 280,000 people, like I said, they were not all spies. They were not mm-hmm. all agents. Because this, uh, this A lot included, of support staff. This included yeah. their domestic police force. This included well, right. all of their, like, regular shit. I mean, even in the CIA, you're still in the CIA when, like, really all you're doing is, like, administrative work and yeah mm-hmm. you're still a cia agent if even if you don't have access to like sensitive intelligence or you're not like in the field you could be right. doing trainings you're, or whatever. exactly you could be a fucking analyst. administrative assistant analyst yeah. yeah that's a really common one the, linguists like mm-hmm. this organization was so entrenched because of all of the previous acronym organizations right. which were essentially the same things it's basically it Houston was, just taking on everything in its surroundings. Well, You're Houston now. And if every time <laughs> you want to intimidate someone, you need to send two people in trench right. coats to their apartment, and then you need to, like, set other people to tail them, and then other people to listen to the recordings yeah. that you take when you bug their house. It's a lot of staff. Yeah. But the mind to, reels. Not to oversimplify and say that every KGB <laughs> person was an undercover agent because it is no, not, not what I'm saying. No, 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 no. It's just, it's massive. My point is it was a massive, massive net over not mm-hmm. only the Soviet Union, but the planet. Right. Right. Just like how, like we just said, anyone who here domestically who works for the CIA is not an undercover agent. You could just be a secretary with the CIA. Right. So estimates of the number of informers in the Soviet Union are incomplete, obviously, but usually range in the millions. Yep. So the informers themselves weren't officially, were not officially part of the KGB. There were mm-hmm. millions of informers. Well, mm-hmm. right, because you don't want to track them necessarily directly back to that agency so that the KGB and the Russian or Soviet at the time government could distance themselves. Yep. Or they could just lean moves. on pretty regular people right. mm-hmm. one time and ask them, you know, like about a specific person that yeah. they have under their. Then they're still totally. an informant, but they're also still like the baker down the street. Right, right. right. 
So every Soviet leader depended on the KGB and its predecessors, so its previous iterations, for information, surveillance of key elites, and control of the population. With the Communist Party and the army, the KGB formed the triad of power that ruled the Soviet Union. Dang. Triad of power. Don't Whoa. like it. I do not like that. I mean, our branches Three of government. Three branches of government. I know. I know. Power. Oh, I know. <laughs> Checks and, and balances, great. Right? Yeah, it's great. Scholars disagree about the human cost of the KGB and its predecessors, but many estimate that they were responsible for the deaths of tens of millions of people. Mm-hmm. And yet not a single person who was involved with the KGB has ever been indicted for any crimes they may have committed in their own country. Mm-hmm. Great. This is impunity. I mean, yeah. of course. The KGB was officially dismantled in 1991 under Boris Yeltsin after the fall of the Soviet Union. Its headquarters occupied what is now a famous structure at Lubyanka Square, not Red Square, as is commonly, it's a common misperception. Mm-hmm. They're both in Moscow, though. Yeah. There's a picture Red of the- Red Square and Red Square are very different. Yes, mm-hmm. there's a picture of this building on the drive. It's this big orange, just yeah, hideous. It's menacing. Yeah. It's menacing. It's really gross. It looks like a really stressful post office hub in a huge city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, also, do you see this black and white star, the Gulag star? Mm-hmm. So that star was like their emblem on every single labor camp. It's just so creepy because it's it's illustrated in a way that it looks like it's hanging over you in like a like a uh, just a horrible, menacing way. It looks like long legs. It creeps me out. Mm-hmm. The way that it's designed is just like oppressive. Really Mad gross. Cute. It's really gross. Yeah. Um, okay, so that the same gross building is now the home to the FSB or the Federal Security Service of the Russian Federation. Obviously, another yet another fucking Russian acronym, mm-hmm. which serves a similar function as the KGB once did, but its reputation is not quite as notorious. So the KGB has basically just changed its name mm-hmm. to the FSB. It's the same fucking thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Putin himself served in the KGB for 17 years, roughly. We we don't know for sure, but roughly between 1975 and 1991. So he would have witnessed the downfall of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. He worked recruiting East Germans. So he, he worked in Dresden. Mm. He recruited East Germans who had a plausible reason to travel abroad, like we said. So like journalists, professors, technicians, scientists, mm-hmm. somebody who had a real legit reason yeah well not diplomats because they could prove whether they were diplomats but like regular people with somewhat regular jobs which who would have a good excuse to go abroad got Mm -hmm. it so he would podcasters on tour yeah yeah maybe going to canada (laughs) he would he would recruit them to spy and steal secret information about like nato or western technology or like whatever the fuck Mm -hmm. vancouver's super nice it is super nice. <laughs> I love Vancouver. The hotel the, was great. These are the secrets we're bringing back to the States. <laughs> I didn't leave at all. I got room service for every meal. <laughs> Mushrooms are legal? There they are. <laughs> so Putin specifically worked with the East with the East Germany secret police organization, which was which was called the Stasi. Mm-hmm. which monitored hundreds of thousands of citizens and kept millions of documents on file. So he had access to all that shit. This was pre-internet. So when they say on file, 
They mean literally. Paper yeah. In Can you Manila microfiche? I yeah. can't. No yeah. wonder that fucking giant post office building is so goddamn big. They had to fit <laughs> they all got those a files. lot of information. Yeah. So this is from the Washington Post. Quote, the KGB was known to the Stasi as, quote, the friends. Mm. And it relied on the Stasi. The KGB relied on the Stasi for support. For years, the Stasi prepared fake passports and driver's licenses for the friends to create cover stories for their agents. Also, they called their cover stories legends, which Mm. I love. Legend has it. So my, my legend is sure to get me in in, you know. New Hampshire or whatever. Weird. My legend is sure to get me into Vancouver. (laughs) I love a good legend. Tens of thousands of people in East Germany were, quote unquote, registered or marked in secret files of the Stasi as being of interest to the KGB. According to the German, uh, to this German specialist who was interviewed, some were marked because the KGB was searching for people with plausible cover stories for trips abroad, like I said. So if you were a scientist or a technician, you were just casually, innocently living your life in East Germany, you're on a fucking list because they Mm -hmm. might come tap you and be like, hey, I'm going to force you to to go to New Mm -hmm. Jersey. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They'll... They'll bug you. They'll they'll follow you. They'll find some way to blackmail you, you or they'll just threaten the your Pentagon loved ones. In the spring, <laughs> you're gonna love it, Calgary. <laughs> okay. Yikes. So now report. So this is like current, present day reports suggest that Putin is planning to merge the Foreign Intelligence Service or the SVR with the FSB, which is the current modern day. KGB, mm-hmm. under the new name called Ministry of State Security. Mm-hmm. This was also the name used by the agency that was a precursor to the KGB during Stalin's tenure as the head of the Soviet Union. That's oh. great. It's always great when you're copying mm-hmm. Stalin. Oh, I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Yep. Well, so the Ministry of State Security helped Stalin rule Russia and the satellite republics with an iron fist, quelling dissent domestically through murderous means and spying on foreign rivals. Some fear Putin's use of the name is a sign that some of these old tactics may return. Yeah. Cool, 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 he cool, wants cool, to be cool, cool, the cool, cool, supreme leader. Yep. Well. He's a fucking psychopath. Anyway, uh, that is my segment. Great. <laughs> Have oh, you seen the photos of okay. him sitting at those really long tables, like yes. very far apart? Yes. People just getting farther and farther from him. I, I only care about the Putin on a horse. I also photos. have pictures on the drive, which will be on the blog, of him um, in his. I ha- there's is a is a copy of his ID when he was in Dresden, mm. and then there's another portrait of him in his KGB uniform. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. as a just has young man. He's always looked the fucking same. Just really dissatisfied. Dead fish eyes. Yeah. For just sure. Upset. Very, very distinct looking, which you'd yes. think would be a hazard to or a liability. I don't know. I feel like a lot of Russians look like this. Okay. He would he would stick out in Des Moines, but probably <laughs> not in Moscow. I don't know. I mean, maybe. I'm putting the table photos in your folder on the drive. <laughs> Perfect. They're just all right. They well, say that a was lot. fun. <laughs> yeah. Should we take a quick break and hear a word Let's from our sponsor? Do it. Yes, I'm gonna stretch and order more Furby merch. Duh. If you're anything like me, you're a little bit 
hard on yourself. Mm. You like to, you know, wait until after you've finished all your peas to have dessert or like wait until you've vacuumed the whole house before you can sit down and relax. Mm. Until mm-hmm. you, you put off something you enjoy until you feel like you deserve it. Yep. Well, you know, you've already earned some fun. Let's, you have. Let's face it. You have worked so hard. Life is very difficult. You deserve a little you time. Mm-hmm. It's like giving yourself permission to eat dessert before you finish your damn peas. Yeah. And with Best Fiends, an exciting puzzle adventure game, you can have fiendish fun anywhere, anytime. Yes, I love Best Fiends. We know this. We've discussed this. <laughs> I am on level 2913. You are crushing it. Y'all, I have ADHD. Like, it's not actually that easy to hold my attention for that long. And that <laughs> speaks to how incredibly fun and, like, ever-changing this game is. It's amazing. Best Fiends is a free-to-download mobile puzzle game with thousands of exciting levels for new adventures and challenges every time you play. Like, they do these fun seasonal events. There's all these cute little fiends to collect. They're all unique. They all have different, like, powers so that you can use your mind to decide which ones to use on which levels. And they're so cute. They're so cute. You customize your team for each level uh, to defeat menacing slugs, and you power up your favorite fiends to new levels for even more powerful skills, and you watch them transform as they get stronger, like they, they morph. They grow up. They're like Tamagotchis. They're so cute. And with offline play, you'll never be stranded without fun, even if you lose your internet connection or are like on a plane. Mm-hmm. That's honestly one of my favorite parts about it is that it works with or without internet. And there are brand new events and challenges that pop up all year round. So you've always got a chance to earn exclusive in-game items, characters, and rewards and log on and just like experience something fun and different. Yeah. So you've earned your fun time. Go to the App Store or Google Play to download Best Fiends for free. Plus, earn even more with $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and, my favorite, affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. I love HelloFresh. Mm-hmm. I can't express to you how much. Even though I'm, like, married to a chef, he never wants to cook at home. No. And he's always done the cooking when he does All cook. All day, yeah. So I don't have, like, a whole lot of confidence in the kitchen, but every time I get my HelloFresh box, I'm just like, oh, yeah, it is I'm my time to shine. Let's go. Hello, <laughs> chef. It's me. Yes. I'm the chef. Yes. <laughs> So they have so many amazing, amazing recipes. What I made recently was the winner, winner chicken orzo dinner. Stop. Yum. I love orzo. This like takes advantage of like the season's bounty. Mm-hmm. It has a side with like cheesy roasted zucchini and tomato. Oh my God. Yum. Roasting vegetables in the summertime is it's one best. of my favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I love orzo. And then there's just this beautifully seasoned like peppery chicken over the top of it. It's just like the best summer meal. Mm-hmm. I love it. So HelloFresh offers foolproof step-by-step recipes, which mean a joyful cooking experience and a stress-free summer. You spend less time in the kitchen. Yep. It's just really easy. Most of their meals are ready in about 30 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. And they also pay attention to like how many 
pots and pans they require. So right. you're also spending less time cleaning cleaning up after. That's that's the best part. You know I hate cleaning my kitchen. Oh, who doesn't? Yeah. Hello HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than dining at a restaurant. And is even cheaper than grocery shopping, if you can imagine. And you're wasting less because of these pre-portioned ingredients. Yep. That's yep. money back in your pocket. It's better for the environment. It's better for your bod. It's just, it's better. It's the best. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Gals16 and use code Gals16, that's G-A-L-S-1-6, for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. One more time, go to HelloFresh.com slash Gal16 and use code Gal16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts and treat your kitchen with America's number one meal kit. Treat it. Are we ready for my case? Sure. I went in (laughs) a very, I went in a very different direction because I've already covered, I've covered a lot of Russian shit on the show. Mm. You sure have covered like that other previous like an extremely serious scary Mm. kg or i guess fsb crime in Mm. the past so i wanted to find kind of a weirder did you know factoid case okay love okay Okay. so marion robert morrison aka john wayne oh Okay. Ever heard of him? He was born right by where I got married. Gacy? John Wayne. The regular John Wayne. (laughs) I I know. (laughs) Gacy worked where I went to college, though. I know. (laughs) So this is John Wayne, the hyper-masculine movie star. Right. The actor, not the killer clown. Clown. Began began his acting career in silent films and soon, in the words of the New York Times, quote, saddled up to become the greatest figure of one of America's greatest native art forms, the Western. He performed in silent films? I didn't know that either. He's old as fuck. Yeah, he was really old. Like, when he was, when his career was big, he wasn't like a young heartthrob. He was already, Mm -hmm. like, in his 50s. Yeah. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he because oh. he played like that was, age man. Yeah, he was fucking Clint Eastwood, but oh, then I thought he was a fox anyway. Mm-hmm. No, An old fox. He's also a horrible John person. Wayne. <laughs> you thought John Wayne was a fox? Yeah, her eyesight's never been great. <laughs> I am not talking about Clint Eastwood. <laughs> I know you're not. <laughs> I know you're not. I like <laughs> John Wayne. Uh, no, you, you don't. You shouldn't. You don't. You should not. He's a fucking awful person. Yes. Oh, sorry. Go on the drive and look at photos of him. I guess young John Wayne, like very young John Wayne young was John cute. Wayne, like his first apparently non-silent film movies. But that was, those were not like popular. Like nobody saw those. Well, my dad is a fucking freak. I saw a lot of them. Ugh. So middle-aged John Wayne, you think is attractive? <laughs> okay, I just young, need to nail this John down. Wayne, I of just course. can't get past this, so we're gonna sit here for a minute. We're gonna sit <laughs> we're with gonna this sit, for a minute. We're sit in this. We're gonna yeah. unpack this. I don't care how long it's. Look at the picture of young John Wayne. You cannot yes, tell me he wasn't. But cute. no one has seen that. You do. You haven't. You hadn't seen that before, right? 
because well, that was before he, he was popular famous. Then. But it was also his swagger. It was his style. Okay. Well, he's horrible, and you don't like him. Okay. Okay. All right. So <laughs> forgive me for in- appreciating someone's on-screen I'm personality. I'm yucking your yum. A, emphatically. a thousand percent yucking your yum. I'm kink shaming you. I'm Wayne yeah. shaming you. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not my no. kink. No. <laughs> so John Wayne. Of my many kinks, he's no. not one of them. <laughs> John Wayne's on-screen hyper-masculine persona was very much in line with his personal political views as a conservative Republican and fervent anti-communist. Mm-hmm. In the words of Washington Post reporter Eli Rosenberg, quote, John Wayne is never going to be confused for a progressive by anyone familiar with his life and career. (laughs) By any stretch of the imagination. (laughs) So biographers of John Wayne have suggested that his obsession with patriotism and anti-communism were actually ways of compensating for guilt that he felt for avoiding service in World War II, mm-hmm. despite the There was the probably fa- no guilt. Mm. When your whole, like, persona as a, being a tough famous guy. person is the, is the, like, yeah, the Western stick em up tough guy, then, yeah, he probably had a lot of internalized fucking, Maybe. like, misogyny and shame around that, and it probably didn't, I know, I don't feel bad for him, but it just made him even more of a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had to overcompensate. Mm-hmm. So despite the fact that other, like, Hollywood actors enlisted, he didn't mm-hmm. during World War II. And so people, you know, speculate that that made him just really go off the deep end. Well, fuck that guy. So instead, he, quote, did his part by helping to create the ultra-conservative Motion Picture Alliance for the Preservation of American Ideals. Good lord. Oh, so again, sound we good. <laughs> We, we can make our own <laughs> fucked up acronyms. Mm-hmm. Russia doesn't have they don't get a monopoly to have on acronyms. <laughs> so ah. this, Although this, they, do, they do try. They do try. They give us a run for our money. <laughs> so the initial acronym for this was Popeye. Wow. <laughs> Wait, how do you M- spell that? The M-P-A- M-P-A-I. Love that chicken from Popeye's. Oh, my God. I heard a Popeye's commercial earlier. <laughs> Did you think of me? No, I'm, I'm home by myself, and I just scream, Love that chicken from Popeye's. It's the best commercial in the world. It, there is no, it is it was, peak. It was such a knee-jerk reaction that I, oh, like, yeah. scared myself. Like, to it's hear my love. own voice just screaming it. Yep, I know. It's Pavlovian, for I sure. I do it every Love time. That chicken from Popeyes. Okay, so they later shortened the so acronym good. to just MPA. So this is a, a conservative, ultra conservative motion picture committee, okay, mm-hmm. formed in 1944. Lots of them, there was still a lot of oversight on what he could do with the films. Yes, right. but they wanted more. Mm hmm. Oh, okay. So tons of overlap with my case from old Hollywood, actually. Mm -hmm. So one source describes this organization as a, quote, conscious effort by the far right in Hollywood to assert control over the film industry. Led by producer Sam Wood, Hollywood conservatives like Ronald Reagan and Ayn Rand uh, banded together to combat what they perceived as covert infiltration of the entertainment industry by communists. Great. That reeks of anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Soon after its formation, the organization released a pamphlet titled Screen Guide for Americans. The pamphlet read in part, quote, the purpose of the communists in Hollywood is not the production of political movies openly advocating communism. Their purpose is to corrupt our moral premises by corrupting non-political movies, by introducing small, casual bits of propaganda into innocent stories, thus making people absorb the basic premises of collectivism by indirection and implication. Uh, Basically, okay. any they're, what they're saying is like, it's they're so insidious. Right. It's like if they... It's, if, if, it's if, coming into your homes without you even knowing. Coming into your homes with, with nice stories about mm-hmm. openly gay people or right, right. racial intermarriage. Drag or queen story times at your sh- local library. Sharing yeah. a piece of bread with your neighbor. Mm. Well, yeah. don't do that. Well, COVID. Bread's expensive. Oh, right. COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so the MPA's main activity was accusing films of promoting, quote, un-American concepts mm. through subtle messages in the script. One example of evidence presented by the... I could hear the quotes in exactly <laughs> how you said that. Of evidence. evidence. <laughs> presented by the pie. Bye-bye. Was a script that included the line, share and share alike. That's democracy. So they objected to that line because they thought it was insidiously suggesting Uh socialism. I get it. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, my God. Here we go. By a John Wayne apologist. No. No. You don't even want to joke about that. Yeah. You're no. going to get us canceled. Yeah, and We someone, don't and like John Wayne. You saying this, somebody's <laughs> going to get confused and be like, Kenyon is a John Wayne apologist. Because <laughs> that's how it always happens. I'm planting the I always the seed. get blamed, even though I didn't say it. <laughs> that doesn't mean I said it. It means somebody imagined it and yeah. blamed it wow. on you. They always blame it on me. Well. <sighs> okay. <laughs> So if the gulag fits. It doesn't. I know, I'm just kidding. It's pronounced goulash. Take right, a walk in somebody else's gulags. <laughs> I made these gulags <laughs> when I won American They still fit. <laughs> these gulags. Don't you know? <laughs> I sold these gulags. <laughs> oh, my God. And wouldn't you know it, they still fit. Ah, she had a big ass then. She's got a big ass ass now. All right. Soon after its founding, the MPA invited the House Un-American Activities Committee to launch a full-scale congressional investigation into Hollywood's ties to communism. So they invited the Red Scare basically into Hollywood. They were like ushered it in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. John Wayne was elected president of this committee. Not the committee, of the MPA, in 1949. As president, he oversaw an aggressive lobbying effort to persuade the city of Los Angeles to keep an official registry of known communists. Hmm. Under Wayne's leadership, the MPA also began coercing supposed voluntary loyalty oaths from Hollywood actors and screenwriters. So they would, like, go to people who wanted work. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and Sign be like, this oath will give you work. Yeah. Right. Psychopath. Wayne served four terms as president of the MPA from 1949 to 1953. Christ. Ish. Throughout this time, he remained a vocal supporter of Joseph McCarthy and the House Un-American Activities Committee. Mm -hmm. Although he abhorred all communists, Wayne's specific focus as MPA president was on the secret communist ties of Hollywood screenwriters or the imagined communist ties of Hollywood screenwriters. Right. Right. He seemed to bear a particular grudge against writers, stating in one interview that, quote, screenwriters generally thought themselves intellectually superior to mere actors. Many of them belonged to an alliance of liberals and communists. A lot of them were, in fact, Jews. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And he, it was just a personal grudge. He just yeah. was like, well, you think I'm a dumb grunt. Yep. And that you're so much smarter and better than me. So I'm going. Let me show you by fucking ruining your life. I yeah, that's a potentially lot getting of you fucking re- killed. It's a lot frankly. of the Republican Party white male days. grievance. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, make liberals cry again. Yeah, it's it, he wanted to own the libs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As an actor, he had a long history of selecting roles based on how patriotic he perceived the script to be. Oh, that was his like benchmark. Well, I officially don't have a crush on John Wayne. Thank you. We told you. (laughs) According to director George Sherman. The last time I watched a John Wayne movie, I was 13. So get off my job. You were just horny in general. Yes. Apparently something was going <laughs> on if you were dick. like, that's the guy. <laughs> He's the guy. He's this a cowboy. <laughs> cowboy He's a take cowboy. Away. Cowboy <laughs> take John Wayne away. <laughs> Fucking get off my dick. <laughs> so according to director George Sherman, Wayne asked for the script for 1939's Wyoming Outlaw to be rewritten to include the line, quote, America stands for freedom and fair play. What? Uh, and foreplay. <laughs> nice. Not, I Everybody like knows that, foreplay but... is European. Okay. <laughs> you know what? It's You're right. Definitely not American. I'm a communist for even saying that. <laughs> You're blacklisted, bitch. I am. I'm outing myself. <laughs> So towards the end of his tenure as MPA president, Wayne formed his own production company so that he could have total control over his scripts. And with such brilliant screenwriting as America stands for freedom and fair play, (laughs) who could stop him? It's so bad. It's so embarrassing. Almost as bad as make America great again. Yeah. Which is also stolen. Yep. From Reagan, who was in on all of this. For its first script, the company consulted with the House Un-American Activities Committee investigator named William Wheeler and produced a film called Big Jim McCain, starring John Wayne as... uh, I keep... John John McCain. McCain. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not as John McCain. John McCain was not a real thing yet, but... (laughs) He was, like, born then. He was. He was barely born. (laughs) Like, he was born, but, like, barely. (laughs) But John Wayne plays an investigator for the House Un-American Activities Committee, or HUAC. So it's it's just propaganda that he was making. Yeah. Yeah. 
uncovering a communist conspiracy in Honolulu, Hawaii. So I love oh, how so he, he could he shoot go to in Hawaii. Hawaii. Oh my god! You know what? It's brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. I'm not we are even moving headquarters to the Maldives. Absolutely. That's the only place we can record. I'm sorry. That's where we... all the true crime happens. I'm so yep. I don't make the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'm so sorry. It all yeah. happens in Key West, Florida. Oh, um, <laughs> yes. Let's do it. Let's Fucking open a hub in Key West. Yes. <laughs> so Wayne's anti-communist obsession did not escape the attention of one man who had a personal stake in the success of communism. Joseph motherfucking Stalin. Uh-oh. Oh. He did have a personal stake in the success mm-hmm. of communism. Uh, he had several. <laughs> the Soviet dictator who brutally ensured that his own country was producing only pro-Soviet films was actually quite the movie buff in his spare time. I love this weird <gasps> shit. Bring me John Bring Wayne. Bring me John Wayne. <laughs> yeah, it's, Bring me John McCain. It's Wayne. so similar actually <laughs> to my old Hollywood case where oh. Hitler was in love with Clark Gable. Bring me Clark Gable. <laughs> That's the most ridiculous. (laughs) It's absurd. This is so so crazy. I know. They're still just fragile human men at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. They're monsters. Hetero crushes on other men. Yeah. Bring me Chuck. Yeah. No, but literally, yes. Yeah, I I mean, I believe. <laughs> so each of Stalin's homes contained a private theater where he would screen films of every genre and of course like films that were barred from being shown to regular Soviet citizens, he could watch whatever Lebs. he wanted. Yes. Right. Among his favorites were American cowboy movies. Mhm. He reportedly identified with, quote, the independent, defiant, and self-reliant heroes, even if these were ideals that were technically soups uncommunist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rumor has it that after one of these screenings, Stalin suddenly turned on John Wayne, stating, quote, that he was a threat to the cause and should be assassinated. Oh, wow. Heather, okay. those are not words you want to hear. Maybe That's a hard it's, left. Maybe it was because America stands for freedom and fair play. Mm-hmm. Well, he should have known that. So pissed off Stalin. One cowboy film too far. Oh yeah. <laughs> Dial it back, Wayne. Marion. <laughs> Marion. Madam Librarian. I forgot his name is Marion. Yeah. <laughs> he wants us to forget. His fragility yeah. wanted us to forget. His museum is, has the word Marion in it, I think. Whatever. So according to several sources, the KGB, who were well accustomed by this point to Stalin's violent personal whims, mm. did in fact try to carry out his assassination of John Wayne orders. Oh, oh my, my God. God. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to say... Bummer they didn't succeed. <laughs> but I'm just not gonna say it. I'm gonna not not say it. I didn't not. say it. I don't know I'm what I'm not you're gonna about. say Bet Midler is an ugly woman, but <laughs> oh my, Trump. who said that? Trump, Trump said that. Of course. Oh right. I mean And she's Bette not. She's perfect. He, he tweeted she's it. not perfect. She's he tweeted oh, no. that. 
She's on Twitter with some fucking anti-trans bullshit these days. Oh, well, God. he tweeted that and said, I'm not going to say Bette Midler is an unattractive right. woman, but she... I just tweeted it. Right. Oh, because because I insist on being politically correct at all right. times. Right, right, right. That was the quote. Yeah. Well, whatever. Okay. I miss so- him, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be back so soon. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to wait long. <sighs> that was a joke. I don't miss it. Okay, so KGB's 13th department, which that is very scary sounding, mm-hmm. Ew. was called like they the- they don't put a 13th floor in hotels. Let's not put a 13th department in the KGB. District 13 of the yeah, KGB. Let's, let's fucking act. Was called Ugh. the Directorate of Special Tasks. Hate it. And this would have been, like, they would have been the ones to attempt to assassinate John Wayne. according to michael munn a film historian and the author of john wayne the man behind the myth the 13th department did indeed begin plotting this assassination but john wayne caught wind of the plan (laughs) stalin accidentally tweeted it (laughs) according to some sources two russian filmmakers named sergey gerasimov and alexei kapler learned of the plan and informed Orson Welles, who told oh. John Wayne. Another crazy oh. asshole. Crazy asshole, but also, like, such a weird person for John Wayne to be friends with. But, right? like, they were friends, even though Orson Welles was, like, definitely... The opposite of what yeah. he was into. Yeah, like, a liberal progressive and, like, closeted homosexual and, like, I don't know how they were friends, but they were friends. I love it. Just look up drunk Orson Welles commercials. No, I can't. Enjoy it the is rest of your night. A, it's so It's funny. a rabbit hole. And <laughs> I, have, I have spent so long it's watching absurd. those videos. There's one where he's like trying to sell champagne. Oh, I know. It's just like... <laughs> he's shit-faced. <laughs> Look at it up. <laughs> Look at it up. Okay. <laughs> So Orson Welles heard from these Russian filmmakers, these Russian directors, that the KGB was out to assassinate John Wayne, and he told John Wayne. <laughs> Other source, which is like the craziest sentence I think I've hey, ever said. Uh, by the way. <laughs> Other sources state that it was actually the FBI who learned of the plot and informed the movie star. Either way, uh, the story of what happens next goes that the two KGB hitmen arrived at Wayne's Hollywood office where they were met by FBI agents. And then the FBI agents reportedly then handed the men over to Wayne and his friend, scriptwriter Jimmy Grant. And then John Wayne and Grant were able to just like do with what they would to what these KGB What did they do? <laughs> oh my God. These KGB agents. What they do? They took them, they took the hitmen to a private beach where they staged a mock execution. Um, <laughs> oh my guys, no. <laughs> you guys. The drama. We've done that to my sister, though. <laughs> <laughs> Private <laughs> beach, mock execution. It was a sacrifice. Uh, she was consenting. She's fine. The second time around. 
Yeah. <laughs> she struggled a bunch the first couple times. Though. But that's She's literally fine. just because like the FBI agents thought John Wayne was cool and hyper masculine and they'd seen him in all these wild cowboy movies and they were yeah. like, well, they he can like, handle a gun. We'll, ho- we'll hook you up. Oh, my God. Like, that's not fucking protocol. It's absurd. It's, it's absurd. absurd. That is extrajudicial. And just extra. It's so extra. The drama. (laughs) (laughs) So the hitmen were allegedly so fearful of retribution back home for like failing their mission so spectacularly (laughs) that they pleaded to remain in the U.S. and become FBI informants. Wouldn't you? I would. (laughs) I probably would, too. That's probably what I would try to get. scary. I wouldn't want to go back to Stalin and be like, uh, so not I only could I not up. get you, John Wayne, he was really mean he to me r- on a beach. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of got me. <laughs> I peed my pants. It was really embarrassing. Like, I'm I did not, not okay. I am not okay. Joel, I did not I am do not this okay. right. <laughs> I'm getting he like a super- mental health sabbatical. <laughs> I will he was not really be at work mean on Monday. To me on a I'm being he was like super health day. mean to me on a beach, and I like couldn't handle it. <laughs> I can't even, you guys. <laughs> Stalin, you guys. It Stalin, really try to understand. No, <laughs> Joe, no, Joe, 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 <laughs> Joseph, no, Joseph. <laughs> Uh, hose before you, like, Joe's. Don't know how mean he was. Hose before <laughs> Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what happened to those we KGB didn't get guys. Targeted by the KGB. Doesn't exist anymore. We'll get targeted by the FSB. <laughs> he was like super mean super to me on a beach. There was, like, there was like another guy, and like on top of everything, I like got sunburned. Was it was California, California. so like. Oh. 
Joe's like, uh, you can't quit. This is the KGB. You'll be sent to the goulash. Okay, literally my literally my stomach hurts from laughing. Okay. Okay, so Are you sure it's not from the injustice that happened on the beach? Fucking choking. Okay. Whew. Okay. The only water I have has vodka in yeah, it. Fine. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm taking a sip of my actual water. Okay. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so following this nightmare on the beach. <laughs> it was like a whole thing. John, John, I can't. Okay. Woo. Ah. Worst vacation of my life. <laughs> supposed You're to be never a going back to the shore. <sighs> supposed to be an easiest Never summer. meet your heroes. <laughs> I gotta call my mom. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, okay. everyone has stopped listening. <laughs> it's we about have, time. It's about damn time. I can... <laughs> I can feel the oh. listenership numbers oh. dropping. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So following Ooh. this, Wayne is rumored to have declined any protection from the FBI because he's a tough oh. guy. S'more. Mm, okay. And to have I used, care of him. <laughs> to have instead used Hollywood stuntmen to infiltrate communist cells to expose any potential further plots against him. So really, he just like okay. got like okay. even more paranoid and macho. Okay. Okay, guys. Because okay, stuntmen stunt can handle it. But oh, my God. Why is John Wayne? Same exact training as a KGB agent. There's a stunt guy from Fresno. <laughs> he's not from Fresno. He's from Iowa. <laughs> That's right. No, the stunt guy. The stunt guy is oh, from Fresno. Guy, Keep yeah. up. Keep up. <laughs> Got it. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> his <laughs> John, cut some of this because we are awful right now. <laughs> oh, okay. It's amazing. <laughs> Keep all of it. <laughs> so, historians have expressed doubt over this entire story, especially noting the implausibility that FBI agents would have handed over suspected <laughs> KGB assassins to a movie star to deal with as he wished on a would beach. Have gone to a beach <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> oh my god, no, I want it to be true. It's uh, true. We're going to believe it's true. Uh, but Supporting Wayne's claims that the KGB targeted him is the fact that following Stalin's death in 1953, Nikita Khrushchev reached out to formally apologize and inform him that the order, <laughs> the standing order for John Wayne's assassination had been rescinded. <laughs> so, like, I, okay, okay, I'm so sorry. I wanted to kill you. Okay, so I did. It's but like, soups happened. But like, yeah. I slept on it, and then like, I took it back. Like, I meditated well, on it. No, it's more like, and well, I took it back. The guy before me was a little cuckoo bananas, and he tried to kill you. And it wasn't up me. until today, I have nothing to do with it. There was a standing order to have you killed, but, but like, I took, took it, it away. down. Yeah, just so you know. I'm fine with you being here. Exactly. Exactly. Holy fucking shit. So, just so you know, 
I'm uh, fine with you being here. So I rescinded with it. it. Literally. <laughs> Khrushchev reportedly said to Wayne, quote, that was a decision of Stalin during his last five mad years. When Stalin died, I rescinded that order. I'm pro John Wayne. <laughs> was Khrushchev okay. a psycho also? No, not yeah, as bad. I feel like he was fairly normal. Yeah. Mm. So following is, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to be as bad as Stalin. He is right. up there. Touche. <laughs> so following Stalin's death, John Wayne maintained his anti-communist obsession. In 1960, he joined the John Birch Society. Blech. What's that? It's a horrible far-right mm-hmm. Republican think tank. Stupid, Ugh. horrible thing. Yeah. But soon quit after the organization proved too extreme even for him. If it's too extreme for John Wayne. (laughs) And this was because they were on this new kick of denouncing fluoride in the water as a communist (laughs) plot. (laughs) Well, it does control your mind. So So I don't trust it. That's when John Wayne was like, oh, wait, maybe not you guys. <laughs> oh, wait. Not in my tap water. You're not putting nanobots in my tap water. Not. Oh, my God. <laughs> so in 1973, John Wayne was criticized publicly by Marlon Brando on the Dick Cavett show. So Brando stated that. Another quote, gem. <laughs> well, Brando had. Marlon Brando was way better than John Wayne. Yes. I oh, can yeah. recognize that. He had a lot of redeeming. Anti-racist stuff. He Mm -hmm. did have some problematic anti-Semitic stuff and Mm -hmm. misogynist stuff. Mm -hmm. It's, you know. No one's perfect. (laughs) It was a a different time. Yes. We're doing the best we can with what we got. He did a lot of work for civil rights Mm -hmm. despite problems. Okay. (laughs) So Marlon Brando fucking hated John Wayne and said, quote, We, Americans, like to see ourselves as perhaps John Wayne sees us, that we are a country that stands for freedom, for rightness, for justice. It just simply doesn't apply. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, we don't have time to get into it, but there was like the whole incident at the Oscars. Yes, yes. I watched this video recently. Yeah, the indigenous woman came up to speak. Sasheen Littlefeather is her name. Oh, yes. And then John Wayne tried to beat her up. Yeah. Now I'm remembering this. Okay. So my my crush is gone. So for those who don't know the story, the overview of the story is that Marlon Brando won an Oscar for The Godfather. Mm -hmm. And to protest the treatment of indigenous people in our country he declined to accept that Oscar himself, and he sent in his place an indigenous activist woman named Sasheen Littlefeather, and she mm-hmm. got up on stage and, like, gave a speech, and, you know, he was handing her his platform, basically. Mm-hmm. And it was very controversial at the time because it was the fucking 70s. And right. And John Wayne lost his gold. John Wayne lost shit. was in the crowd and lost his fucking no, mind. No, he was like behind, he was backstage. He was one of the mm-hmm. presenters, I oh, think. Oh, okay. Because he, he like tried to go at her he, Yeah, backstage. he tried to like attack her. Yes, yeah. he tried to physically attack her and physically stop her from speaking mm-hmm. on yes. the stage. And it took six security guards to hold him back. Yeah. he was like so fucking pissed that a woman of color was speaking Saul about human rights. Back. Well, he was, like, specifically perturbed because I think 
She was like indigenous. westerns, and she was indigenous, indigenous, and like they did so much filming on like indigenous land. And well, she was westerns bringing- are so problematic, exactly, with, like, yeah. and anti fucking indigenous. And, right? Yeah, it was just not. It, he it was not good. He was not good. <laughs> so. John Wayne's troubling political views were back in the news in 2019 after a 1971 Playboy interview resurfaced on Twitter. Mm -hmm. In the interview, he expresses numerous racist and homophobic views, including, and this is, this is going to be really bad. Mm -hmm. This quote from John Wayne is really bad. I'm just warning you guys. Quote, I don't feel we did wrong in taking this great country away from the Indians. Uh, Off to a really good start. Okay, keep going. Our so-called stealing of this country from them was just a matter of survival. There were great numbers of people who needed new land, and the Indians were selfishly trying to keep it for themselves. And oh quote. my god! Yeah, that's what it was. <clears throat> yep. <clears throat> no notes, John Wayne. Yep. Jesus I Christ. Love it. Yep. <laughs> Didn't some Republican lawmaker recently say something about how the Native Americans generously? Gave us their land or something right, like there was something. Right. It was like it was like like a we gift. didn't commit genocide. Yeah, yeah, Th- that happened recently. Whatever. Ew. So the resurfacing of the interview led to ongoing calls for John Wayne Airport in Orange County to be renamed, but as of today, it has not. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that is John Wayne. I knew that he was like a macho guy, and like Real that's gross. But I did not know. How big of a piece of shit he was. But did you know that I queued up this video of Orson Welles? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> did you send Throw a camera. One, two, take one. With over that, action, please. We do not have the rights to this. <laughs> action, Orson, please. Can you I just can't do see. anything? No, it's a, sorry, cut. Yeah, rolling. <laughs> One and two, take two. Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. There is a California champagne by Paul Masson, inspired by that same French excellence. It's fermented in the bottle, and like the best French champagne, it's vintage dated. So Paul. Ah, the French Ben. It's Moira Rose. (laughs) He is just Moira Rose. It is herb or herb flavors. Flute wine. (laughs) Someone needs to do a side by side. Oh my god, I'll get to work on it. John Wayne, not a fox. Piece of shit. Piece of of shit. shit. Orson Welles, absolutely incredible. Moving on. Problematic in his own way. Everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. We're all problematic. Some of us are just worse than others. (laughs) All right. That's my case. The KGB on the beach. Good God. I never anticipated laughing that hard. (laughs) And I am, I I can't believe I have to follow that. Nothing funny (laughs) happens in my case. (laughs) So let's take a quick sponsor break. Let's take a quick old break. (laughs) Then get back to it. I hate bra shopping. Okay. Yeah. 
I do not like it. I don't like the lighting in mall dressing rooms. No, I don't like getting undressed in public. Uh, I mean, I love doing that, but I don't like, I don't, I don't know. There's something about like going into a store where, you know, 500 people have put on that bra before you. Mm -hmm. That's just not my favorite. And then like, you don't get measured right at most of those places. The, the, the sizes vary everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. It's a nightmare. I really do not like it. And that is why third love has been an absolute game changer. And especially my favorite thing on the planet, Third Love's 24-7 classic t-shirt bra. This thing delivers on style and comfort. It's why it's their number one bra. Millions of people with boobs agree this bra makes their boobs happy. I love it. It's like seamless under a t-shirt. I don't wear a lot of white t-shirts anyway because of my hair. But on that rare occasion when I'm like, I want to wear a white t-shirt today, Mm -hmm. I'm reaching for the 24-7 classic t-shirt bra. It's comfortable. It is seamless. It is wireless. It's unlined. It is so perfect. You can nap in this bra. I have. It's it's really comfortable. It also comes in sizes A through H, plus Third Love's exclusive, exclusive half cup sizes. Mm-hmm. You're always going to get the right fit with these half cups. It's so awesome. Yep. I have a major issue with like, spillage the spillage over on the top same and also like the pinching mm-hmm. under the arms yes the pinching the pinching mm-hmm. they have so many options for wired and wireless bras because i i'm i'm over the wires yep. personally yep. they just have so many options like amanda said that 24/7 classic t-shirt bra love it i also found a strapless bra that <gasps> i actually feel good in from third love i know if that doesn't say it all i don't even know what will that's a feat i know third love also has their fitting room quiz Mm. so did you know that your bra size can change six or more times throughout your life um i'm learning this also like just throughout the day throughout the seasons i I know i'm like life what about (laughs) hour yeah so (laughs) third love makes it so easy to find a bra that actually fits with this amazing quiz. It's like a personal shopper, but it's mm-hmm. better. So it focuses on your size, your breast shape, your current fit issues. Like I said, the spillage, the pinching, etc. And then it'll suggest all these styles of bras mm. that are perfect for you. That It has never done me wrong. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love it so much. It's amazing. But feeling is believing, y'all. So give your boobs the 24-7 comfort and support that they deserve and that you deserve. Upgrade your bra today and get 20% off your first order at thirdlove.com slash gals. That's 20% off at thirdlove.com slash gals and treat your boobies. Treat them. Are you ready for my way less entertaining case? (laughs) I bet it's fascinating. I mean, it is. It's (laughs) definitely a wild ride. And this was the fan picker case. So I'm like thrilled to be doing it. It's just real hard to follow everything that just happened, but I'm going to try. So Aldrich Rich Ames was born in River Falls, Wisconsin on May 26, 1941. His parents were both teachers, one a college professor and one a high school English teacher, and he had two younger sisters. In 1952, his father left the collegiate school system and accepted a position with the CIA as an analyst. Huh. Which may have been an analyst, 
which may have been Rich's inspiration to also go into the field after he graduated high school. Of anal. What was he, what was he teaching? I'm not sure. I didn't. Okay. It, this has nothing to do with his dad, so I just didn't even bother. Okay. This is this is padding. Yeah. Got it. So he, Rich attended the University of Chicago in 1960, but only stayed for two years before enrolling as a CIA trainee in 1962 and simultaneously completed his bachelor's degree at George Washington University, graduating in 1967. The best and seven other reports, years of college. <laughs> right. Yeah. And other reports that I read were that he had, like, since his dad started working as an analyst, he had done, like, summer internships with mm-hmm. the CIA. He'd been, like, he was a for this. Yeah, mm-hmm. for a long time. It was in the CIA trainee, trainee program that he met fellow trainee Nancy Segaberth. And the two married in 1969. I feel bad for Nancy for a lot of reasons, and that last name is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the CIA had rules about married partners working in the same office, so she resigned to carry out her wifely duties. Oh, while my he God. Stayed. Fucking 1960s. Classic. Uh-huh. So the CIA sent Rich all over the world. Shortly after marrying Nancy, he was sent to Turkey to recruit Soviet nationals stationed there to become spies for the U.S., so he would go there and like hang out with these Soviet nationals and then be like, I have a better gig for you. Let's mm-hmm. go over here. You, you, you spy for us and we'll pay you some money. Mm-hmm. He returned to the U.S. in 1972 where he stayed and enjoyed wedded bliss until 1981 when he was stationed in Mexico City, Mexico. <laughs> Mexico City, City, Missouri. But he did well while he was in the U.S. And also, I think Rich might have had ADHD because I read this in Wikipedia and was like, hello, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Quote, his performance was rated excellent and he received several promotions and bonuses being ranked above most operations officers in his pay grade. But he kept ordering Furby backpacks online. (laughs) However... (laughs) Ames' tendency to procrastinate in submissions of financial accounting was noted. (laughs) His inattention to detail also led him to commit two important security violations, including once leaving a briefcase containing classified operational materials and the subway. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh That's why they have those handcuffs. Yeah. (laughs) Ames apparently received only a verbal reprimand. Mm, Also very much like old Mandy. So in 1981, he goes to Mexico and his wife once again remains in the United States. Oh, she didn't even get to go to Mexico? I don't know if she didn't want to. Didn't get to or didn't want to. I'm not sure. Cheap. (laughs) (laughs) The, The CIA is cheap. Yes. I, as I've declared it. Okay. Okay. I didn't say it. I declared it. I declare. I want to go to Mexico. I know, right? I've never been. Me either. Well, we'll have to move our office to Mexico Mm -hmm. City. Mm -hmm. So once rewarded for his work, he really slipped into mediocrity in Mexico. Mm. <laughs> he was more interested in meeting women than doing his job and had several affairs. Mm. Most notably, an affair with a woman named Maria del Rosario Casas Dupuy, Ooh. 
who worked for the Colombian embassy and was a CIA informant. Mm-hmm. He kept his affair quiet from both his wife and the CIA until he decided to marry her in 1985, leaving Nancy in the dust. Did he get divorced first? He well, did. So he, went back, <laughs> he went back to the States, separated and divorced from Nancy, uh-huh. married her, and then it was like, okay, it's out there, so... Right. Oops. And the CIA was like, well, don't... That wasn't good, but I guess you're already Verbal married. Verbal reprimand so. too. Right. And then I think Maria stepped down from her role as an informant in the CIA once again. So he kept his job just and she tanking just. tanking women's careers. Good. Pretty much. Great. Great. As long as yep. he's okay. Yep. He emerges yep. unscathed. Mm-hmm. I mean, they both get a little scathed. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Oh, petite scathed. They're a touch scathed. So Rich and Maria had a son in 1989, and Rich, who had always been a fan of the drink, got even deeper into his alcoholism. Mm. Proved too tempting for some of them. You'd think the hidden marriage to a foreign national who worked with the CIA and his drunken outbursts, including one at a diplomatic dinner in Mexico, wherein he screamed at a Cuban official, (laughs) would get him booted from the CIA. But once again, the power of white male mediocrity prevails. Mm, That sweet golden parachute. a female CIA agent doing any one of these Mm. things. I can't. And keeping their job. I can't. Getting hammered at a, like, diplomatic Leaving a briefcase on the subway full of classified material. Y'all, I can't. Having an affair with an informant and then getting divorced and then marrying them. Marrying her? I just, it's just, it's so. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 So the CIA sent him on assignment once again, this time back to Washington, D.C. He was assigned to a highly sensitive position in the Department of Operations where the main focus was Soviet intelligence. Oh, there we go. Finally divorced from Nancy and forced to pay her monthly alimony, as well as a sizable repayment of debt that had been racked up during the marriage. And a new wife with very expensive tastes. Uh Uh-oh. Rich found himself strapped for cash. Maria's phone calls to family in Colombia alone were costing him about $400 per month in the, you know, 80s. 80s. Oh, my God. Yep. Long distance phone calls were a big deal. Not cheap. <laughs> they yeah. Were, yeah, they were expensive <laughs> as fuck. Before cell phones, this was a tough time. Yeah, everybody younger than us has like no idea what we're talking about. But I remember buying it the still cards, being a thing of like, cards. is it long distance? Right. Oh, I free after did nine that with a cell phone. I bought calling minutes. cards. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. in the early cell phones, mm-hmm. it was still long distance was very expensive you'd have minutes and limited texting minutes to call and so long like during the day is not it was the expensive. same thing as international no like no, if no, you no. were like calling california from mm-hmm. a different time zone like that was long distance it was different times folks different times <laughs> and so, different time zones. yeah so maria also absolutely loved to shop for designer bags and shoes Honestly, she's a woman after my own heart. Okay. And they didn't have the real real back then. So you just had to pay the ticket. Yeah. You just had to buy it new. Yeah. The dark ages. Mm -hmm. So Rich and Maria had to find a way to make some extra cash. And it turns out the Soviets had an opportunity for Rich to sell U.S. intelligence to Russia from the inside of the CIA. 
Well, that's why they wouldn't, for a long time, they wouldn't allow CIA people to get divorced because mm-hmm. then they could be, you know, right. Blacklisted. Right for blackmailed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. They, well, okay, so he wasn't doing this with Nancy. So Nancy wouldn't have had any, like, that divorce was done and he wasn't doing this. No, I now know, but then now he owes alimony. It's like this right. exact thing. Oh, right, right, right. He's okay, all now tied I get what up. you're saying. I thought you were talking about, like, married people keeping each other's secrets legally or whatever. Oh, no. That too. Tied up in the courts. Got it. So honestly, the fit was perfect as the CIA and FBI were already tasking Rich with making contacts with the Soviet embassy. And some of this contact making would include trading approved and essentially valueless intelligence. Oh, yeah. So he had excuses to meet with them already. Mm -hmm. And he was a recruiter. So he's already like doing all of this shit. It, like, doesn't look that That would just get so confusing. I would fuck that up day one. Oh, Um, absolutely. (laughs) And this guy was drunk 90% of the time. I'd be like, give me a minute. Let me remember which side you're on, which side I'm on. No, like, he gave an interview about, he gave an interview to the uh, New York Times Magazine. Part of it I'll read later, but this part I didn't include, uh, where he talks about how he was, like, hammered during these meetings with like trading intelligence oh my god and how like it got to the point where the soviets would be like sober up like limiting his access to alcohol in these like lunch clandestine lunch oh, meetings they my were having god. they would give let him have like one vodka per hour for the over the course soviets to yep. limit your alcohol yeah. consumption yeah. that's bad when they're yeah. trying to get info out of you yup cuz he was like too cuz he was like too much of a risk when he was that drunk wow. i mean that no. it was bad you guys this guy wow. was a fucking mess wow so Rich saw an in, he dangled carrots and realized he could ask the Soviets for compensation in return. He started small, asking for only $50,000, again in the 80s, in return for you, like the first nugget of U.S. intelligence that he was going to hand over. Mm-hmm. And the Soviets paid up without hesitation. Quote, Ames later claimed that he had not prepared for more than the initial con game to satisfy his immediate indebtedness but having crossed a line, he could never step back. Yeah, once once they've recruited you, yeah, they're you gonna taste keep that using sweet, you. Sweet money. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. they're gonna milk mm-hmm. you. Oh yeah, and he milked them right back. Mm-hmm. It was uh, mutual milking. Gross. <laughs> it was a circle milk. <laughs> mutual <laughs> circle milk. Oh. <laughs> oh, Kenyon, I'm sorry. I promise. I was- <laughs> I told you I was nauseous going into this. I really didn't. I even... Circle milk is amazing. <laughs> I really wasn't trying. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. I cannot drink vodka during these episodes. Okay, I'm crying again. Oh my god, this is so fucking stupid. All right, circle, circle milk. Okay. Jesus Christ. So not only did he not go back, he went deep. <laughs> and he did some serious fucking damage. Mm-hmm. Over the course of barely a year, he identified more than 10 top-level CIA and FBI sources reporting on Soviet activity directly to the Soviets. Okay, well, oh. that's fucking terrible. All of those yep. people could 
die. And most of them did. He knew (gasps) full well that this betrayal would lead to either their like imprisonment, capture, imprisonment, torture, or execution, but found this worth it because he was being paid so much and their deaths or disappearances would make it less likely for him to get caught. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. You don't understand. My wife needs to call Columbia a lot. So you got to go. And she really wants those Prada jellies. (laughs) (laughs) So he's a real asshole. Mm -hmm. And with high level agents disappearing at an alarming rate, the CIA was starting to scramble, but still resisted the idea that espionage was at play. What the fuck? I know. Well, they wanted to preserve their own like, uh, uh, what's it called? Image. Mm hmm. So they assumed, likely because of denial, that there were Soviet bugs in their offices giving these secrets away. And then a scapegoat appeared in the form of Edward Lee Howard, another CIA agent who was also passing intelligence to the Soviets. There were like so many people doing this, you guys. Yeah. It was nuts. It was rampant. It was yeah, whack a mole. Yeah, it, it was, was a literally whack a million people. Yeah, it was wild. So he was doing this, albeit at a much, like, lesser rate and at a less, like, deadly intelligence. Mm -hmm. He was, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) low-level moling. He was caught and prosecuted, and they believed they had their guy until three more agents were killed that Howard had absolutely no knowledge of or connection to. Mm. So while he had given away intelligence, he couldn't be behind all of these, quote, asset losses, as the CIA so lovingly and humanely calls these deaths Mm -hmm. or disappearances. Mm -hmm. So with the heat on him, Rich told the KGB that he feared he would be suspect. Why? You're just a fall down drunk? Who owes money all over town. Yeah. And now suddenly has millions of dollars, which we'll get to it. I don't know why we'd suspect you. Right. You're not sticking out like a sour thumb or anything. (laughs) Quote from Wikipedia. I don't know how I have gotten here. Okay. (laughs) The KGB threw U.S. investigators off Ames' trail by constructing an elaborate diversion in which a Soviet case officer told a CIA contact that the mole was stationed at Warrington Training Center, a secret CIA communications facility in Virginia. So outside of D.C. where the, where Rich was operating mm-hmm. from. Mole hunters. There's a literal task force called the Mole Hunters. Oh. And their picture is on the drive. And they are incredible. Are Our they job mole? was just team. to clean up my dirt cellar. Pretty much. This team of mole hunters. Mole hunters. Oh, I'm they're- obsessed with that photo. Mostly women. They're all mostly yeah. wit ladies, like librarians. Three women and two men. Yeah, love it. Oh my it. god, they look so just innocent and I mean, genuine. They literally look like one the looks MHS. like a dementor with blonde hair, but the rest yeah. they kind of look like the MHS English Department <laughs> yeah, circa two thousand two. Absolutely, they they're librarians. Yeah, lots of dictionaries. They are yeah. at the research counter at your public library. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So these mole hunters investigated 90 employees at WTC, the Warrington Training Center, for almost a year and came up with 10 suspects, although the lead investigator noted that, quote, this is insane. The lead investigator, probably one of these women, probably the gal in the vest. I'm just putting my money on her. (laughs) her. 
quote, there are so many problem personalities that no one stands out. (laughs) (laughs) They're suspects of espionage. That's what the MHS librarian said about the debate team. Yeah. Probably. (laughs) And, you know, this is exactly what you want to hear about high-level intelligence agents harboring state secrets in the CIA. Everybody's got something to hide. Yep. So meanwhile, Rich had collected over $2.7 million from the Soviets in the fucking 80s. Time money converter, baby. Go, 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 (laughs) go, go. Let's say 85. Okay. Yeah, it would have been like between 85 and 89. 1985. Crush those numbers, girl. Over $74 million today. Oh, what? 74? No. Inflation is crazy, though. This is like U.S. dollars. Yeah. Wait. 2.7 2.7 million dollars. US dollars. Yeah. Hold on. Oh, Not like rupees my God. or whatever they're called. Rupees. I think I did, 20, I think I did 27 million. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm trying God. my best. Oh. <laughs> Is it re- not rupees? No, rubles. Okay, okay. 7.4. <laughs> okay, but that's still a lot of fucking it's Still money. a lot of money, but that's not that much. <laughs> Okay, bitch. I wish I <laughs> no, didn't as much seven. as what she originally oh, said. Well, okay, uh, uh, it makes sense. Seven point four million. It's not that. It's <laughs> not as much I, as seven hundred and twenty-four million. <laughs> oh, I thought she said seventy-four million. Whatever the fuck I don't she know. Said. Numbers are really hard. Whatever okay, so a lot of money, which remains the most money paid by the Soviet Union or Russia to any American, any like single American for spying that we know of. So yeah. So at least Rich got one more feather in his cap for that one. Rich got rich. Rich got rich. He was living large, bought a big old home for him and his wife, got a Jaguar, all How the is shoes. How is the CIA not picking up on this? We're going to we'll get to oh, yeah. all the bags and shoes that, that uh, Maria wanted, all on the backs of over 10 colleagues who died or were imprisoned and tortured so that he could feel like a Rockefeller. Oh, my God. To account for all of this sudden money, he developed a legend, a cover story, that his prosperity was the result of money given to him by his Colombian wife's wealthy family. Mm-hmm. Ames wired considerable amounts of his espionage payments to his new in-laws in Bogota to Bogota. help improve. Oh, Bogota, sorry. To help improve their actually impoverished status. Mm -hmm. So they weren't wealthy at all. Mm -hmm. And he was basically tossing them pennies and then essentially laundering his espionage payouts through Colombia. Mm -hmm. When does he start buying all the horses? Right? (laughs) What if? This is actually just... He had a horse problem. It's the prequel to your case. (laughs) He bought three quarters of a horse. (laughs) They would have been great together. (laughs) I think that's a match made in heaven right there. But Rich wasn't out of the woods, even with this story. He was subjected to several polygraph tests, all of which he passed, but not necessarily with flying colors and not even necessarily because he like was really cheated. It's like he wasn't like (laughs) relaxed and we'll get to it. Like he passed, but with an asterisk. Okay. So despite anxiety over taking the test, (laughs) he was advised by the KGB to quote, just relax. (laughs) (laughs) Just be really drunk. (laughs) Probably. 
His test did indeed reveal deceptive answers to some questions, but the examiners passed him anyway. Perhaps in the later opinion of the CIA, because the examiners were overly friendly mm. and therefore did not induce the proper psycho or physiological response. Maybe. Yeah, they were probably his friends. Yeah. This is like the in police the policing the police. Yeah. What do you think they're going to fucking find? Also, he's a CIA officer. Isn't he trained to fucking probably. pass a polygraph? I mean, it's just... Ri- but he he's didn't even trained pass. in deception, for sure. Yeah. It was he's probably like, too trashed. He, like, took his driver's test, accidentally rolled through a stop sign, and the, the examiner was like, well, I mean, it's, it's fine. fine. You know, it's you try. Di- you pass. between us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to just keep that one on Look, the dome. Have your mom call me, and I'll yep. pass you. It's going to be fine. At the same time, his financial upgrades were getting harder and harder for the CIA to ignore, and the Colombian, like, wife-slash-in-law's lie was not holding up. Yeah, they can still look into her family. They're the CIA. Right. And he only made $60,000 a year in the CIA, but was able to get cosmetic dentistry, a brand new wardrobe, premium credit cards with limits higher than his monthly salary. Oh, my God. Like, he went way too far. People are so stupid. I know. So again, from Wikipedia, in March of 1993, the CIA and FBI began an intensive investigation of Ames that included electronic surveillance, surveillance, oh my God, (laughs) combing through his trash and the installation of a monitor in his car to track his movements. From November 1993 until his arrest. Now, this has been going on since 1985. He was doing this for almost for like a decade, basically. Yeah. And he was like kind of a hot mess in the 70s. Yeah. From November 1993 until his arrest, Ames was kept under virtually constant physical surveillance. When in early 1994, he was scheduled to attend a conference in Moscow. The FBI believed it could wait no longer, and he and his wife were arrested on February 21st, 1994. Maybe more was going on behind this. I, like, can't, I mean, I hate the CIA, but I, like, can't admit to myself that they could well, be we'll this bad. So we'll like, get to that. Like, at their job. So, like, we'll maybe they were, like, feeding him bad information on purpose so it would Allegedly. get to the Soviets. not great. No. Ugh. No. They deaf weren't. Okay. They were just bad. Okay. At his arrest, Ames told the officers, you're making a big mistake. You must have the wrong man. On February 22nd, 1994, Ames and his wife were formally charged by the Department of Justice with spying for the Soviet Union and Russia. Ames' betrayal resulted in the deaths of a number of CIA assets. He pleaded guilty on April 28th and received a sentence of life imprisonment. And as and as part of a plea bargain by Ames, his wife received a five-year prison sentence for tax evasion and conspiracy to commit espionage because she knew and was in on all of it wow. so she could get money. Oh, yeah. She wasn't, like, directly in communication with the Soviets. No, Obviously, but he, she was no longer with the CIA. She was benefiting. She's not she's a benefiting. moron. He can't say. She's a former CIA agent. Yeah. yeah. And she he, fucking knew He can't what say was he's going getting on. the money from her family to mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. Wow. She was in on it. So... Obviously, in the wake of all of this and the complete lack of accountability within the CIA, like literally nobody was fired or demoted for their negligence in this investigation. The U.S. was in an uproar. Both citizens and government officials were appalled with the handling of this situation. It's from the New York Times magazine, quote, the CIA had known since early 1986 that there was a traitor within. 
Meanwhile, Ames was flunking lie detector tests, plunking down half a million dollars in cash for a new house, and idling in a new Jaguar at the agency's gatehouse. Oh my God. Director of Central Intelligence at the time, R. James Woolsey, concedes that appropriate resources were not dedicated promptly in the Ames case. Yeah. No. And also, you don't have to follow him for a year and use up all that money and all those mm-hmm. resources when anyone could have fucking told you this guy was suspicious. It's an yep. incredible amount of reason. Let's imagine yep. how expensive that was. My I'm sure it was God. extremely expensive. After the arrest, newspaper cartoonists skewered the agency mercilessly, depicting a mole in a trench coat working unnoticed and unworried in a secret warren. <laughs> the, CIA, the CIA has been admired, feared, and criticized during its 47 years, at least 47 years at the time this was written in the 90s, now it is being ridiculed by Congress and the public, and that is a dangerous thing. Woolsey says he must, quote, change the culture of the CIA so that it will not be a fraternity wherein once you are initiated, you, uh, you're considered a trusted member for life. Yeah. But he didn't do that. He resigned in disgrace. Like, yeah. real <laughs> soon thereafter. So, yeah. nice. And I will end this with a quote. So in a lengthy interview with New York Times Magazine, which is listed in my sources for this case, and it really is a fascinating read, and, like, Rich just lays it all out there, buddy. Like, they ask questions, and he answers and he, them. From, from jail, he's from prison. given yep. this interview. Okay. Yep, and he is he's still alive, and he's still serving his sentence. Wow. And he gave this interview, like, shortly after... I think he actually gave this interview... After his sentencing, but while he was still in, like, a a jail awaiting to be transferred to Mm -hmm. a prison to serve his life sentence. Mm -hmm. Got it. So he says, quote, in 85 and 86, as a result of the information I sold to the Soviets, it was as if neon lights and searchlights lit up all over the Kremlin, shone all the way across the Atlantic Ocean, saying, there is a penetration. (laughs) No reasonable counterintelligence officer, FBI, or the CIA was under any doubt by the spring of 86 that a penetration of SE, the CIA's Soviet Eastern Europe Operations Division, was the single most logical reason for the disasters that had occurred. It was almost inconceivable that the KGB found itself doing what they did on the basis of the information I gave them. They went around and they wrapped all the agents up. I was amazed. I was anxious and amazed and shocked and scared. And in the course of the following years, all of the agents I told them about were recalled, transferred, arrested, whatnot. And then later, several of them were shot. The scale of what I had given them, it just went too high. And the KGB later told me that they regretted acutely that they had been forced to take those steps. Yeah. So basically, he was like, I gave them I gave them a lot of really mm-hmm. sensitive information and then they mm-hmm. immediately acted on all of it and it mm-hmm. was really, really, really fucking obvious and yep. I should have been caught right away. Precisely. But somehow I wasn't. Because the CIA was just like fucking ignoring it to not look like they had fucked up. Also mm-hmm. a great sign that the KGB was just like, we don't care if this dude fucking gets caught. Exactly. He oh. gave us good shit and now he can fucking. Yeah. Example of their ruthlessness. Just like, yeah. mm-hmm. I, just, they don't care. Yeah. He finishes off by saying, had I known they were going to do that, I either would not have gone and sold them that information or I would have passed them out one by one. Okay, so tell him he is this, that's a sociopath. Oh, he's a fucking. I would have killed these people one by one. Tell me you've had the hots for a goat without telling me. (laughs) Tell me you've had the hots for a goat. (laughs) 
Had the KGB not handed the proof that there was a penetration on a silver platter to the world, would there have been a continuing effort over eight or nine years to keep on looking for the source of a problem? Good question. So basically he's saying if they hadn't like captured or killed a so bunch of agents in like a yeah, in like a two year period, I may have been able to keep get going away forever. with this for fucking ever. Like it's nuts. And <sighs> This interviewer asked him, like, what was your motivation? Because some folks were like, oh, he's a like he's a communist apologist or whatever. No, he wanted. And he was like, no, dude, I just wanted money. Like he straight up was like, I it was I it was just for money. I just wanted my wife likes Birkins. Yeah, I I, don't know what I liked my lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. That was his only motivation. And and people fucking died. Yeah. Ten. Like a lot of people. people. Some people he knew. Yeah. Not that it really makes a difference. Morally, but like, yeah. But it's literally like someone going, okay, here's a red button. If you push this, These... you'll get a million dollars, but two, you know, a person will, that some random person will die. Mm-hmm. And then it's he like just that like, bo- kept... the, what's it called? The gift or the box yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. that Cameron yeah. Diaz. And he just like kept pushing the button for 10 fucking years. Like, I'm not even sure how many people actually died. At least 12 people were either killed like tortured, imprisoned. Bad ends. We yep. will never know how many people died because of this. Right. It's bad. Like he deserves his fucking life sentence in prison. This guy's a piece of shit. Wow. Anyway, that's my case. Wow. <laughs> right? Somehow the CIA coming out looking worse than the Kremlin. Who knew? But not the mole hunters. They're kind of two I sides of this of a very similar coin. Yeah. I want a mole hunters tramp stamp of just this exact photo. Oh, they're just <laughs> they're great. <laughs> just five people all over the age of sixty-five. No one would have any clue. It just says mole hunters over it. Like, no <laughs> like, one would get it. Yeah. They look like the um if, if you what were the cat, <laughs> like never hurt cats, or what was that thing? Don't, don't fuck, fuck with, cats. with cats. Don't fuck with cats. <laughs> <laughs> or like if you were a dermatologist, you get a mole hunter tattoo. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, these are good ideas. Yeah. I love them. All right. Well, as we're spitballing, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you to Esther Swanson. To oh yeah. Thank you to Esther Swanson, our fan picker, and their BFF, Gretty Beretti, and happy oh. birthday. Okay, Gretty Beretti, happy birthday. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers. Cheers.